1: Welcome to How To Tuesday this week. This is our final week of our permit series. We had Nick Labatee on on in the beginning. I did the one on the spin. And today we're going to talk only about fly fishing for permit. We have Captain Brandon Sear, fourth generation and awesome Key West guide. He's going to help us out, man. You're catching a ton of permit, Brandon. Um, So I'm interested in talking to you about, about permit. I know we had when we talked before, it's one of your favorite fish for sure. And fly fishing for them is, is probably one of your favorite ways to do it. Is that right?
2: Absolutely, man. You know, uh, appreciate you having me on. And, um, one of the things that I love about permit is talking about them because at the end of the day, there's endless, endless theories of how to get permits, eat flies, how they react and everything like that. So it's always, fun to kind of try to figure out why they do what they do because I think it's one of the hardest fish in the flats to figure out.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, I've done a lot of fly fishing for them. When I started out guiding, that's all I did was fly fish. And then later I started spinning fish, spin fishing for them. And I learned a lot when I did that, mostly that permit are not that hard to catch, but they seem to be very, very difficult to catch on fly. And I've over a number of years I, I started, I'm interested in what you think about this, because if you have spin anglers out there and they have a dead crab, maybe they've thrown it too many times or left it out in the sun or whatever, and it's dead. And they make a good presentation to a crab to a permit, but the crab's dead. The permit kind of goes over there and it looks at it a lot. Like it looks at a fly sometimes, like it's just not what they want. They want that live crab. And so I started kind of thinking, well, it's not that permit are really hard to catch. If you have a beautiful live crab, they'll eat it very, very well. But it's kind of that our flies don't represent what they want to eat, apparently. Um, and and the flies have gotten better and better and better. But I'm just kind of curious to see what you think about that. Do you think that the permit, what makes it inherently a difficult fish to catch on fly?
2: Um, You know, there's a lot of different things that make them really difficult. Uh, Part of it is that we still don't really know. (laughs) You know, it's a lot of theories and I think a lot of it comes down to the presentation. So I think you hit the nail on the head when you're talking about, you know, watching them eat crabs and how they react. Typically, when I have a client step on the boat and we get to a spot and I'm, you know, stripping out, kind of going through the strategy with them of how we're going to, you know, approach the flat and the fish and where they're going to be the first thing you got to know about permit is they're unpredictable. You know, one time each fish kind of wants the fly presented in a different way. So I don't necessarily Mm -hmm. think that there's a golden ticket fly that you're going to throw at and it's going to make the fish eat every time. And uh, I think that the presentation is almost everything. Having a fly to a general concept obviously does help, but their food is changing constantly. You know, it's not like they have one I'm uh, one permit that says I'm only eating shrimp or only eating crabs. Like there's a lot of different variation. I've caught them on live penfish before. I've caught them on plugs. I've caught them on worm flies. So I think a lot of it comes down to being able to read the fish at that time and make a decision on how to make the fly react based on that fish so sometimes mm-hmm. i've had where we've thrown at fish before with one fly throw at them four or five times had the fish follow can't get them to eat and i basically have a process that i go through step by step that i'll try it's kind of a process of elimination hopefully if you can get you know that many opportunities at that fish and just start going through different stripping patterns in different ways. And that's typically how I get them to eat.
1: Mm-hmm. So can you go over your process of elimination? Like what would that look like if you were able to follow so, a fish down a flat and get a number of shots at them?
2: So it, it, that's the crazy thing about permit. What well, makes them um, the Holy Grail of flats fishing on the fly? It's not like you can pull up to a permit and say, okay, this is what we're going to do because every scenario is different. If a fish is cruising you know, in deeper water, if a fish is cruising in shallow water, if a fish is tailing, if there's a lot of current, if there's no current, there's so many different variable, variables involved. It's very hard to say, okay, this is what you want to do and this is how you're going to catch them it just doesn't work Mm -hmm. like that you know every there's so many different little things that go involved and that's to me what makes a good fly guide for permit is them being able to walk their client through the steps while watching the fish and me and you kind of touched on this earlier with watching a permit eat a live crab so my typical standard go-to stripping pattern for a permit. Would be to lead the fish. I call it the three by three rule. Put it out three feet in front of them. This is kind of a fish is like bump feeding, you know, feeding, swims mm-hmm. real slow, starts feeding again. You want to go three feet in front of them and three feet past. And the reason why that is a lot of people will take and drop the fly right on their head, you know, I mean, you know, directly in front of their face. And the problem with that is you have no options for maneuverability. So your first, if you think that fly is landing directly in front of that fish, your first strip, it is now out of his path. He Mm -hmm. now automatically, if he does decide he likes what you're throwing, he's going to have to go out of his way to go over and feed it. So the theory is to put it out in front of him three feet, and three feet past. So that way, as that fish is sliding down the flat or bank or whatever he's doing, that fly is going to cross his path and get his attention. So in order for him not to eat it, he's going to have to go left or right and get out of the way of it. And Mm -hmm. that, I think, is one of the best things. So if you think about when you throw a live crab at a permit, most blue crabs, when they're swimming in the water, when you cast at a fish, they don't Bolt straight to the bottom. Some do, but a majority of them kind of hover, right? In a mid water column, mm-hmm. something like that. Well, the crab's natural reaction when a predator gets close is a shoot for the bottom. So that's typically how I like to throw the flies. I'll throw the fly out in front of them, do long, smooth strips to keep it up in their sight. You know, once the fish sees the crab and starts coming over to it, then you have several different options. You can let the crab drop you know, and see how the fish reacts to that as if it's a natural crab going down. And I'm sure you've probably ran into this issue too. And I have multiple times with clients, you throw this beautiful crab out in front of them per client makes a perfect cast and you're like, Oh, done deal. And the crab swims to the surface, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, and right. the permit's <laughs> trying to chase them on the surface and suck them off the surface. And you're like looking at your client, like, I'm sorry, man, I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. And then also the permit hammers it like a Jack of Revol- so right. you know, and that's sometimes fast strips is the key. Um, and that is what, to me, it makes it so interesting and why I'm just absolutely obsessed with catching permit on fly is that there's no particular way you need to read the fish's body language. It's almost like a standoff, you know, you're waiting mm-hmm. for them to make a move. And then there's a, You know, different process that you can go through to try to figure out what he likes, what he's reacting positively to. And, you know, there are those times where you put the crab out in front of him, and if he sees it and he does a hard bolt, that's typically when you know it's time to change the fly. You know, because different flats have different bottom structures. So they could be eating live crabs, shrimp, mantis shrimp, you know, I mean, just. Who knows what they're feeding on, but typically if they're not going to eat your fly and it's just because of the presentation, the fish will come over, look at it. And that's like my favorite picture of all time of permit is, uh, George Martinez drew that permit where it's Mm -hmm. got this giant (laughs) single eyes, his whole face. And that's basically how I feel. Every permit looks at every fly. And, yeah. uh, you know, if the fish comes up and turns off right away, then, you know, and just keeps swimming, but stays calm, then he didn't like the presentation. But uh, there's definitely sometimes you throw flies at him and you think you just put the black plague in the water. You know, they're going right. away from you as fast as they possibly can.
1: Right. But, you know, that rarely happens with a with a live crab. Exactly. Which is interesting. Yeah. Well, I mean, because- if you think
2: about it, none of it never looks. Like the real thing, we're trying to manipulate, trying to tell this fish that that would be like if you ate a ribeye steak every single day, and then I put in front of you, you know, like a piece of tofu, and try to convince you that it was a ribeye. You know, you might try. What is that? Exactly, you might (laughs) not. That's what they're saying. So it's it's complicated.
1: And then you have different personalities like that's a great that's a great example like you have other personalities that are like oh look something a little different I'm gonna that's what I want I'm tired of I'm tired of uh, of ribeyes I want something a little different and they they'll jump on it you know but uh, that's interesting like that so let's talk about a couple of a couple of things that may be a little more standard like like your approach. To the fish and the, and I see that where this approach will change is as the different um, times of the year or weather conditions change. You'll see that uh, you'll you'll either have to you won't be able to get quite as close to them in the calmer weather, or you can get really really close to them in the windy weather. But let's just say on a kind of a ten to fifteen kind of day, um, how do you like to approach them? And when do you like to get your angler to start to make his first cast? Like at what distance? And I know that also is depending on the angler skill level, but let's just say you got somebody that's pretty decent.
2: So, I mean, it's like you said, it's all variable due to the wind, current, everything like that. But if you have a fish, so there's three different ways. I mean, let's just go through a couple. So say if a fish is up super shallow in tailing. The best case scenario is if you, if a fish is so shallow, you can see them tailing frequently, have somebody get out of the boat. Automatically, you just improve your chances of how much closer you're going to be able to get to that fish.
0: Mm -hmm. If
2: that's not Mm -hmm. an option, you know, you're on hard, rocky bottom, always try to make the furthest cast possible. Because what that does is allows you room for error. Say if your first cast isn't where it needs to be, or even if you do make it where it needs to be and you try your typical presentation and that doesn't work. You now have an opportunity to make another cast and change your presentation and try to get that fish to feed. Where if you wait till the fish is 30, 40 feet away, you probably only have one shot. You know, try to keep the boat. A lot of people, obviously, as a guide, your job is to put the boat in the best possible position for a fish. but. You don't want to move the boat a whole lot once you get up close because that's when the more you turn the boat, the more pressure waves you're putting out, the more you're kind of, you know, making your presence known. So I think it's really important for the guide or whoever's fishing for permit, if you're fishing for on your own, to get the boat in a position as far away as possible so that even if you do need to get within that 30 feet, already have the boat angled the way that you want it when you're starting the approach. Because if you decide, mm-hmm. okay, this fish is upwind, I'm going to get close, you know, like a lot of times, and that's, um, this is just because I'm stubborn. But, uh, you know, one of the things that I love doing for my clients that they seem to be very happy with is if I see a fish upwind, you know, instead of pushing up and giving them a 30, 40-foot shot into the wind, I'll take my time, go way out and around in the fish, keep my eye on, even if it takes me 10 minutes, pull straight into the wind, go around him, and come back down into him and have the best presentation. That way they're getting mm-hmm. a nice downwind shot, but then also sight is is very important too. And I would say 90% of the permit that we catch are fish that we can see the entire time through the cast watch them because as the fish is following the fly i'm coaching the client through saying okay you know let the fly drop or speed the fly up you know because it's watching mm-hmm. how the fish react. so having good light is a huge part of it sometimes you know especially in the afternoon you're pulling into the wind that's just part of it you just got to deal with it but always mm-hmm. make the best of each opportunity don't ever rush it Typically, if a fish is happy and you see him from far enough away, he's going to stay happy. There's no need to rush it because you're typically going to blow it out. You push in there too hot anyway. So, you know, take your time, maneuver your boat into position that you feel is going to be work out the best for you and your ability and see what happens.
1: Yeah. You know, one of the things that all of those are excellent points, especially having a guide that is willing to go the, you know put in the extra work to try to go around it but not just put in the extra work but also be stealthy about getting around a fish and you can do that um very effectively but it does take like you're saying it might take 10 minutes to get around that fish then once you get around one thing that really elevated my catch rate over uh just kind of getting a lot of shots was making sure that i was stopping the boat like making sure that that boat what didn't continue to drift even if it's just a few feet closer to that fish. every inch makes a big difference and making sure that, that the guide is is stopping the boat almost to the point to where the angler almost takes a step off the bow. like the boat stops and does not move any further. that was that was a really big thing that I added at one point, you know, and I just didn't quite realize, you know, like uh, we're, we're getting closer to this fish and and he feels it. and now the second cast is going to be shorter for the angler. And he's going to have a hard time with that because he doesn't realize that we just got 10 feet closer to this fish. You know, that was a big deal.
2: No, I think that's actually an amazing point because there's also more variables involved in it than just getting closer. But, you know, your average person, when they're throwing the fly... And the boat's drifting, you know, if you're doing what you're supposed to, your eye should be locked onto that fish, never taking your eyes off. So, if the Mm -hmm. angler's on the bow throwing the fish and you're drifting forward, you just took away half of their stripping power. So, you know, they might be thinking, which happens all the time, you know, especially if current's coming towards you or something like that, you think you're stripping at a nice, decent pace – but in reality, the fly is not even moving at all and you're just stripping up the slack. And mm-hmm. so, I do think that is an absolute huge part of it is stopping the boat or if you can't have the opportunity. Because like I just had the other day, the last permit that we caught, uh, we were approaching the fish and I saw this fish from like 100 feet out, 120 feet out. I was like, all right, like, I'm going to get a little bit closer and them. I'm going to have you start the cast. Well, typical permit fashion, I'll look over and there's a fish 40 feet away. I'm like, okay, there's a fish right here, 11 o'clock. Go ahead and start your cast. Got him through the cast. I'm like, look, the boat's moving towards him. You're going to have to strip a little bit faster because we were over rock bottom. And I knew if I put my pole down, it could hit the bottom, mm-hmm. especially on flat, right. hard rock. It's going to slip and make noise. So, you just got to wing it. But because of being aware of it, we're able to you know bring in line faster. And that's another thing that I think is always... Important too is just being aware of what the fly is doing in the water. If you have current, you know, ripping towards you. If you know the boat's drifting or even away. You know, I've had sometimes where you're casting into the wind, and you know, my push pull the boat starts to catch, and I just have to let it go because if I start to re-correct the boat, we're going to blow them out. And so, you know, I've had clients where I'm like, okay, feed line, feed line, you know, let let line out because we're dragging the fly with us. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. so I, th- I think that's a great point.
1: Yeah. All right. And then, so we've talked a lot about so many of the different pieces of the presentation, but so often with permit fishing, you make one cast out there, the permit comes over, likes it, or doesn't see it. And it's time for another cast. So walk through, walk through that. Like, do you let the fish swim over the fly and how far are you trying to let the fish get away from it? Obviously, if you just rip it up through the grass, you're gonna that spooks a, a zillion permit, all of them. Um, so, how do you like to instruct your anglers for making that second cast?
2: You know, that's another thing that just kind of comes falls into the category of watching the fish and how they're reacting. Um, typically, as soon as that fly, because a lot of times you, know, you only have a few seconds to make this happen. You know, fish. Once you've already put the fly in play once, and the fish has seen it, you you know, you typically you're close, so you don't have a whole lot of time to react. So as soon as the fly is out of play, you know, which you know, so I'll have the client do like one nice long, almost like a tarpon fishing, one long, slow, steady strip until I think it's out of his vision. And as soon as it's it's out of his vision, say okay, pick up. And when you're close to a fish like that, that is when doing it in the least amount of hauls as, po- as as possible is the best. And so, that's what I think it's important to do. Pick up a lot of line, you know, and as much as you can, 40, 50 feet if you need to, pick it up and shoot it in one haul. So, you know, doing like mm-hmm. a Belgian style, you know, down underneath cast with shooting over the top, I think that is probably like your best method for that. But uh, typically, you know, you don't want a lot of correction, you know, because if you wait till the fish gets... Swims too far off, you're now having to do two to four hauls to get you know change direction, get the fly line more line out to where it needs to be. Or typically, if it's you know, as soon as he swims past it, or you know, you strip it out of his view, pick it up, put it right back in his face in the next one. You know, and just keep doing that until something happens.
1: Got the it. The first thing, and
2: that, then. I'm sorry, go ahead.
1: Well, I was going to say, and then if you're if you're lucky enough. And everything kind of comes together as it sometimes does. And the fish actually comes over, tails up on the fly. Um, talk through what you, uh, how you kind of coach the hook set.
2: Yeah, so this is actually a really funny part because a <laughs> lot of people get the eat and don't realize it. You know, because you're not putting a ton. You know, you're not doing a fast strip. It's not like a tarpon. You know, that turns sideways. Sometimes it's the subtlest. I would say about fifty percent of our permit that we catch, the customer doesn't even feel it eat. Right. So permit when they eat, which is, comes down to watching them, you know, eat a live crab or a live shrimp, they do this little wiggle. And I'm sure you know what I'm talking about when they go down oh, yeah. and they eat something. My favorite they thing do in the world. <laughs> Yep. And, you know, there's also, so typically, so say if, you know, permit, everything goes right, permit tails down on the fly, you think he eats it, typically they go head down and they start to rise up. As soon as you see them start to rise up, I typically tell my client, long, smooth strip, you know, nice and slow. So, that way, because sometimes, you know, they miss the fly in the the grass. So, that way, it looks like a crab trying to get away. And I can't tell you how many times we've had you, you start sliding the fly away. The fish didn't get it. He'll swim real fast after it and then just inhales it. So that kind of, you know, it gets Mm -hmm. that natural predatory instinct of, you know, oh crap, you know, my food's getting away where, you know, and I don't even know how many times I've had people say, oh, I don't feel anything. And I'm saying, I'm telling you just big strip and half a strip, they feel a little bump and then they do a big strip and they're tight. So a lot of, and that's why, you know, having a good pair of sunglasses, for permit fishing, I think it was probably one of the most valuable tools you can have. You know, that's, you got to be able to see that fish.
1: Yeah, for sure. And, and all of this communication is, is something that can happen throughout the day of like, this is what I expect is going to happen. You, You may not feel this fish. There may be a reason for that. You may be stripping, but the, the current is in a certain way that, that we're moving down on the fish and and you can strip twice as fast, and you're still not taking up the slack. The fish comes over and eats it. Even a long strip is not going to be enough at that point. And there's been many times where I just told the people, just rip into them, just you know, just backcast almost because I know that there's six or seven feet of slack in the line because we're we're coming we're as much as I'm trying to stop the boat, you can only like over a hard bottom or whatever. You know you can't touch the bottom because um, you're going to make noise and it's going to be over. So you you know that there's a lot of slack in that line. And sometimes you just I've just said just rip into them and and they come tight, you know, because the fish did eat it. Just like you're talking about, you see it eat it. But even a long slow strip is not gonna not gonna pull that amount of slack out. But I always would just talk to people kind of like, these are the things that I think are going to happen, maybe. And <laughs> I, <laughs> I might say this.
2: <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I think that is a big part of it. Like I said, like that's for me in the guiding, whole guiding aspect is that's one of the most important parts is communication because it's, it's a team effort, you know, and that uh, if they know what to expect when it happens, Most of the time, people are like, Oh man, all right, that's exactly what I imagined you were talking about it as, you know, and that kind of helps. It's almost like if you were going to go on an elk hunt, you know, and the guy is going to coach you through and say, Okay, so here's what's going to happen. We're going to get up here. You know, I'm going to stand behind this tree. We hear one bugle. I'm going to call them into you. They typically come down this ridge. The more information that you can have from your guide, the better it's going to be for you. One hands down, Mm 100%. I mean, it's just knowledge is power, you know, and there's so many variables in permit fishing. The more that you can cut out, the better off you're going to be.
1: Right. Now, what about, um, the first run and coming tight on a fish like that on a, you know, like say for instance, you, you slide that fly away from him. He aggressively comes down and eats it. And now the person is tight to them. The temptation is to rip back on the line, uh, almost like tarpon fishing, but you're fishing 12 pound test or less. And so how do you, how do you coach that?
2: So typically I tell people all the time. So you got to remember that permit have these beautiful, soft rubbered lips. you know, once you prick them, you know, and you get a tiny little hook set. I can't tell you how many clients I've had that have literally let go of the line You know, if they have a tangle on their fly line, they're trying to get the tangle out or I've had to pull straight at fish before because we had a big ball of line that's trying to go through the guides and I have to pull after them and give them slack from the fish so it doesn't break off. Typically, once they're stuck, they're stuck. You know, I mean, obviously, things happen. It could be in a bad part of their mouth and it could pull out. But you want to treat it just like you would treat a bonefish. The, I always try to keep like once a client hooks a fish, it's like okay, breathe. The worst part is <laughs> over. You know that that you you've accomplished the hardest possible part. Once, because typically once you get them to the reel, eighty percent of the time you're going to land them. You know, so right. just be gentle. You know, you did the hard part. Now's the time to sit back and relax and enjoy it. You know, just keep a slight pressure. Get them to the reel at the best of your ability. and Typically, what I try to do as soon as they hook them, I start pulling backwards as fast as I can to get that slack out because you want them on the reel. That's less things they can get tangled on. It's not going to get wrapped around the reel, and it's just less chance of somebody holding on too tight and breaking the fish off. But you don't Mm -hmm. need a hard hook Mm -hmm. set. It's basically a slow I mean, you can almost, if the fish tails down on it, you can all, I've had people trout set and get away with it, which you don't want to do. So anybody out there do not trout set with permit, but think of <laughs> it as a slow strip. You feel the pressure, do like a half strip and, you know, come as soon as you start feeling it come tight, you can raise your rod tip a little bit and you're typically good, you know, nice soft mouths. Once it gets to the drag you know, on the reel, it's going to bury that hook a little bit more what it needs to be and enjoy the rest of it.
1: Yeah, I love it. Okay, so um, what's your go-to rod reel line leader setup?
2: So I typically, every rod, I get asked this a lot from clients. And in my opinion, there's not one rod out there that I would say, this is your golden ticket because everybody has different casting abilities. You know, I personally like super fast action rods. So I use the Hardy Zephyrus which is a super fast action rod. Um, it can pick up a lot of line. Obviously one pieces are to me the best. A lot of people don't have that option though, because you know, they're not guides and they have to travel with their rods. Um, right. When it comes down to lines, uh, I'm a firm what about
1: weight though. What weight? do you do? You...
2: I like nine yeah, nine weight. to 10, nine to 10 okay. foot. I mean, nine to 10 weight, you know, and if it's super calm, go down to an eight weight. But, uh, you know, typically, I like throwing nines or tens, and one thing that I prefer to do, which was taught to me by somebody else, is throwing a heavy tarpon taper. Mm-hmm. And the reason for that is you can now turn over a longer leader. and you're gonna get that line out there in shorter, fewer cast. The most thing pe- that people spook out permit while casting is doing more hauls than are necessary. So if you have a very weak tapered line, you're gonna have to do extra hauls to get it out. Or if you have a heavy tarpon taper, you're shooting a lot of line and little amount of hauls. So typically I like to have, you know, my leader at the minimum that I would ever throw at a permit would be 12 feet. And depending on my angler's ability to be able to turn over a long leader and casting, all the way up to 18 feet. It's completely mm. different from angler to angler and wind, you know, variables. Obviously, if it's blowing 25, I'm not gonna have you throwing an 18 foot leader.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. What's your your thought on um, clear lines?
2: You know, I've caught a few permit on clear lines. I think for tarpon, that is one of the most valuable tools that you can use. But in the scenario that you're in deeper water, you you know deeper than tailing depth. You throw at this fish now, right? And you've let the fly drop. Typically, you can see the fly when you're stripping and you're keeping up in the mid water column. So now that fish comes over and you're letting the fly drop, you don't know where the fly is in relation to the fish when it's clear right. line. Where. If I can see the line, and you know I don't want any bright colors, I don't want to have pink or neon anything, but like typically a grass colored or light green or light blue, something that you know doesn't stand out a lot, but you can still see it. I know that okay, here's the fly line. I got 12 to 14 feet of leader. That fly is close to that fish, or it's out of play now. Now I need to pick it up. And so Mm -hmm. the disadvantage of having the clear line for permit specifically is that when we're talking about earlier, like that fish when to pick it up when it's out of play you don't really know if it's in play or not still you know especially yeah, if you're talking it certainly 80 makes it difficult
1: out. for the yeah so, it makes it difficult for the guide to kind of understand I, I would think if you had a really you know you got some superstar angler that's really good and knows exactly where his fly is a clear line might be great for that person but you know as you're trying to guide someone into the permit becomes, you know, if you have to take your eye off of, of, of the situation for just one second to make sure you're not going to hit the boat with your push pole or whatever you're trying to do, uh, and you look up and you can't, you have no idea where the fly is. I didn't, I didn't like that. I don't like that. Exactly.
2: Um, Well, and also, you know, the whole theory, if you're worried about having a a clear lines that the fish, doesn't see it coming in the air. If you're using a heavier tapered fly line and you're able to throw a longer leader, that right there is going to eliminate your, uh, issues that you would have on, um, the clear line. You're, right. you're throwing. Agreed. So that that's the way all that right. I look at and it. And then
1: what about, uh, I know that you fish for permit all year round in all different conditions, but what would you, um, what would you call the the best time of the year or the best condition that you're looking for
2: um you know it's it's tough to say because there's different different points so obviously consistency is the best so typically they go offshore to spawn in May and then they start coming back like the first or second week of June from June till the first cold front comes through in october november i would say is the most consistent permit fishing now with that being said typically those fish in the summertime are a little bit smaller they're in the 8 to 15 pound range but Mm. to me a permit's a permit whether it's 5 pounds or 20 pounds i'm gonna shake and smile from ear to ear for the rest of the day you know but uh i have noticed that in the wintertime you get these points where the water warms back up post cold front, and the fish are hungry. They haven't eaten. They come onto the flats. There's no guides really pressuring them, so the fish are a lot more cooperative. Then, whereas you know, in April when you get those pre spawn ag- aggregations, even though there's a ton of fish on the flats, there's so many tarpon guides down here. You know, coming from all over, that there's so much just boat presence. The fish are a little bit jumpier, but. Mm-hmm. I'll yeah. have two and three fish days because of the whole pre spawn aggregation thing. And like I had an amazing December. So far, January's off to a great start as well for permit. I think it's more about water temperature than anything. Typically, anything below 70, you're going to have a hard time. I think that magic mm-hmm. temperature is between 73 and 80 degrees because it can also nice. get too hot nice. and there's not going to be oxygen on the flat and they're going to go a little bit deeper.
1: Right. Agreed. Okay. So, so much of, of what we're discussing, I don't think I would disagree with anything that you said. You're, I mean, right. Spot on as far as I'm concerned. Um, so in permit fishing, especially fly fishing for permit, the teamwork aspect is probably more important than, than any other style of fishing. And you can have, um, you can have guides that are kind of into permit fishing with a fly rod. I mean, they'll do it. And then you have guys that excel at it, and that's all they want to do. And for an angler that's trying to find a guide, and maybe it's their life's dream to catch a permit, or maybe they've tried to catch permit in you know Mexico or somewhere, and, and uh, they want to come to the Florida Keys. How does someone find, in your opinion, how does someone find a guide that would be a good choice for permit fishing?
2: Well, one of the biggest things, you know, uh, there's a couple of different ways that I would say to look at that. But to me, one of the more important things that is than actual guiding ability and whether or not they like permit is make sure you get with somebody that you get along with, you know, because we've all heard about the typical, you know, key or key Florida keys guides that are screamers. Or that Mm -hmm. they get Mm -hmm. so amped up and they yell at you. Automatically, in most people's minds, that permit's already on a pedestal. So you're already nervous. I've been doing this my entire life, and every fish makes me shake. I show all my clients, I have a a Garmin watch that tracks my heart rate. And after, you know, at the end of the day, I can pull up my heart rate and you can see where my resting heart rate is 60 to 65. Every time we see a permit, it'll go all the way up to almost 120.
1: But, Look, we got nine shots today. <laughs> exactly. But, <laughs> you got nine spikes across your, your heart rate. <laughs> exactly.
2: But the thing is, is that when I'm speaking to my clients, you would have no idea that my heart rate changed at all. The most important thing is to stay calm because if somebody starts shouting out you to rush and okay, you know, right there, cast now, 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 you're, you're going to fall apart. So make sure that you find somebody that you can communicate with because i'm sure that i've had clients that they might need to be had something that need to be communicated differently or something like that so that communication is one of the biggest parts of catching a permit being able to stay calm be happy be in a good mood you know you want your confidence that's what you need you know and if you blow a shot you don't want a guy that's going to say oh man you blew it you messed up you know what what are you doing up there cuz that's not going to improve you in any way. You want somebody that you're enjoying Mm -hmm. your time with. You're having fun because at the end of the day, that's why we're doing this because we love it and we're having fun. So I think that is a huge part of finding a good guide. And then as far as guiding ability goes, there's a couple different ways. I definitely would recommend checking out your local fly shops. Typically most fly shops Really want their clients to have a good time because they want the repeat business. Where if you go to a hotel or something else like that, you're not, or you know, an ad on Google or something like that, you're not getting the best guide. You're getting whoever's paying the highest commission rate. Where if you're going through a fly shop, typically they care about their customers, they enjoy it, they want you to have a good time. You know, here in Key West, there's the angling company on Simonton Street and the Saltwater Angler down on Front Street. Either one of those shops will put you with who they think is going to be the best for what you need.
1: Mm-hmm. That's excellent. Excellent advice. All right, man, that's uh, that's fantastic. And if, what if somebody wanted to go with you? Just give How me they a find call. You?
2: you know, give me a call. Um, the best thing to do is probably to reach out on my Instagram It's uh, Brandon C-Y-R-K-W. I fish every day, whether I have a client or not. So sometimes getting a hold of me on the phone is a little tough. So either texting me, which my phone number is on there as well, or send me a message on Instagram and I'll get back to you as soon as I possibly can. And uh, that's another great outlet to be able to check out, you know, what guides are doing what. Because typically, you know, if somebody's catching a lot of permit, they're posting pictures of it every day and you can keep track through that. It's hard to lie when yeah. you have proof.
1: <laughs> That's right. That's right. Well, man, I appreciate it so much. Um, I I love your um, your input on all of this. The one thing that I didn't ask, I would like to ask your flies. Um, what about the style of fly that you're that you're throwing the most right now?
2: Uh, I would say you know different variations of crab patterns. Um, you know anywhere from a traditional merkin to a strong arm which is a uh, pretty cool fly that uh nathaniel linville and dave skoke uh originated that uh, has a single claw off the back and it's basically a merkin mm-hmm. style fly with a claw off the back and that's been very effective for me but you know like i said there's so many different flies that you can use that will work as long as presented right like i've had recently um i've been finding them to eat shrimp flies more i think that uh your typical tan color is always going to be a pretty safe bet um you know another thing that i think people do too is they throw overweighted flies if you're throwing your fly out in the first two to three strips you're snagging grass you need to change flies because that's not allowing you to manipulate the fly that you should be able to. If you want to let it sink slower or you want to be able to strength strip it faster, you should be able to have that control over the fly. If it's getting stuck in the bottom Mm. right away, it's way too heavy. Go lighter.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Good advice, man. Good advice. All right, Brandon. Well, thanks so much. I hope that uh, people get a lot out of this. I'm sure that they will. And uh, if you want to, if you want to go fishing with Brandon, give him a call and, that concludes our three part series on Permit. If you liked it, we'd love to hear from you here. Uh, you can email podcast at saltwaterexperience.com and let me know what you think. And um, if you want to get in touch with uh, the other guests that we had, Nick Lebetty also is very active on Instagram. He's uh, he works out of the same same marina, same dock as Brandon. so that would be an excellent resource for you as well. That's Ocean's Edge resort down in Key West. Okay, Brandon, thanks, man. I'll see you on the dock soon, and thank you.
2: Appreciate it, buddy. Thank you for having me.
0: In Wild Country, rules were not created by man. Don't miss Wild Country, Wednesdays from 7 to 11 p.m. Eastern. Presented by
2: Primos. Speak the language. Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor
1: entertainment.